Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Book Reporters with Joe and Lauren. It's me and I'm joined again by the lovely Lauren. Hi Joe, how are you? Oh, I am wonderful. I Good. I'm excited to talk about my book this week. How are you doing? Good. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good and I'm happy to hear about your book and and my book too. It's going to be a good good review, I feel like. Good report. <laughs> <laughs> well, um Yeah, so as we said last week my pick is uh actually a highly anticipated title for me to discuss on this podcast anticipated by me and i i'm sure by some of the listeners but by me mostly um my pick is the seven husbands of evelyn hugo by taylor jenkins reed and mine is The Afterlife of Holly Chase by Cynthia Hand. Also, and I was able to check out a little bit of that book before we recorded. I didn't read much of it, but I am excited to hear your discussion on it. Yeah, uh, I uh, I remember you saying that, you know, you wanted to check it out before this but then it seemed like today just kind of crept up really fast even i was like oh yeah we're gonna record today so yeah we um for the listeners who are listening on monday or after we are recording this on the previous wednesday which is the day before thanksgiving so uh, i kind of wanted i was ready to do this last weekend but i wanted to try to get this done before the holidays because it was going to be a busy time for both of us. So uh, I'm glad we are here to discuss this tonight and for you to hear this. So I, yeah, I feel this is going to be a great one. So um, I think without any further ado, I'll go ahead and get into my title this week. Definitely. So, uh, a little comment first on my hypnosis, hypnosis <laughs> confusion. Apparently, I have been saying it both ways wrong because I have been putting the P in the wrong spot. Really? It's an it's synopsis. I've been saying sip. No. Oh. I I've been noticed. putting the P before the N. So <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I finally got it through my head this week is synopsis. So if it makes it any easier, I, I didn't even pick up on that. I know that it sometimes we like double guess, you know, second guess what we're saying, but. Well, because I was actually. The way I figured it out, I was like typing it in a text, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "What? Like, why isn't it autocorrect? Like, am I spelling this right? Why is it not? The red line is coming up underneath it. I'm like, why is it not autocorrecting then? Right. And so I had to figure the N and the P 
he had a I had mixed up. So Yeah. <laughs> so I have been sounding silly for these first seven episodes, if anyone's it, picked up on that, but I love autocorrect when it works, but you do have to be kind of close to what you're saying. I mean, I don't know how to spell convenient or maintenance to save my life. If <laughs> if you had, you know, life or death situation and I had to spell maintenance or convenience, I'm sorry, but you wouldn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I am going to read the synopsis. For the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. <clears throat> From Taylor Jenkins Reid. A genius when it comes to stories about life and love, according to Red Book. <laughs> comes an unforgettable and sweeping novel about one classic film actress's relentless rise to the top. The risks she took, the love she lost, and the long-held secrets the public could never imagine. Aging and reclusive Hollywood icon Evelyn Hugo is finally ready to tell the truth about her glamorous and scandalous life. But when she chooses unknown magazine reporter Monique Grant for the job, no one in the journalism community is more astounded than Monique herself. Why her? Why now? Monique is not exactly, is not exactly on top of the world. Her husband David has left her, and her career has stagnated. Regardless of why Evelyn has chosen her to write her biography, Monique is determined to use this opportunity to jumpstart her career. Summoned to Evelyn's Upper East Side apartment, Monique listens as Evelyn unfurls her story, from making her way to Los Angeles in the 1950s to her decision to leave show business in the late 80s and of course, the seven husbands along the way. As Evelyn's life unfolds, revealing a ruthless ambition, an unexpected friendship, and a great forbidden love, Monique begins to feel a very real connection to the actress. But as Evelyn's story catches up to the present, it becomes clear that her life intersects with Monique's own in tragic and irreversible ways. Written with Reed's signature talent, signature talent for creating complex, likable characters, this is a fascinating journey through the splendor of old Hollywood into the harsh realities of the present day as two women struggle with what it means and what it takes to face the truth. Oh, boy, so... <laughs> Yeah, uh, as I think I hinted at last week, I went into this read with sky-high expectations because of all the ravings it was getting on Bookstagram. And when I shared the post uh, that I was going to start reading it, all the responses I get were, God, were all positive about how everyone who had read it loved it. And yeah, I'm surprised it took you like as long as it did to read it. I mean, did you hear about the buzz or did was it like under your radar for so long? 
Well, the book came out in 2017, and it was completely under my radar until recently. Actually, until um, until I started my bookstagram page. Because I had heard of Taylor Jenkins' read. She has another book called Daisy Jones and the Six that I had, um, I remember buying when the Kindle version was on sale. So I, I have that in my Kindle library, but it was one of those, she was one of those authors, like, I was reading, like, mostly thrillers and mysteries and true crime for the longest time, and I've only recently, like, tried to expand my um, reading into different genres more. Me too. But I think Bookstagram has helped that with both of us. Yeah, definitely. But Taylor Jenkins read. I know she's, crit- I've always known her to be critically acclaimed. Um, I, working in a library, I'd obviously heard of her, but her not really being a thriller writer, I just, she, she was completely under my radar in that Mm -hmm. sense. Right. So, but with this book being from 2017, it's kind of fascinating to me, like how, how popular it is in 2021 and how, you know. Almost like the popularity for it picked up again. And usually when that happens, there's going to be a movie or a T or something's going to happen with it. Like there's going to be a movie made of it or something Mm -hmm. that brings it back into the spotlight. And I did look it up. There is a deal to turn it into a TV series where like there, I don't believe there's any casting that's gone on yet or anything like that, but there, some production company has bought the rights to turn it into a series. But that being said, I was hearing a lot about it. I looked up the premise. It was an interesting looking synopsis. So, I tried to initially try to put it all hold at on hold at the library and there were just too many. The holes list was just too long and I wanted to read. So I ended up buying a copy, which I I'm showing Lauren right here that I have. I ended up buying a copy on Amazon. And yeah, even like looking at my local library, there is zero copies of 98 um, the, you know, available and the wait time is about four months. So there, if I had requested it, there would be, uh, 566 people ahead of me. So, I mean, yeah. and that's the Carnegie library of Pittsburgh. So that's a, yeah, a that's one. a, that's the main one for the, uh, Pittsburgh area looking just out my way in a different County it's still a six month wait because they only have one copy, which is really interesting um, that it's so low, but yeah, even, even like holes on the large print copy are backed up. Yeah. So, and you know, trying to get the ebook through Libby, that's 
even like I am signed up to get ebooks through the Akron library, the system where I work, and also the Cleveland library. And even with the Cleveland library, which has way more resources and like more, you know, funds for more, you know, more materials, even they got like a whole weight. It's probably similar to here, like my smaller city and yours versus the larger one that's not too far down the road. Yeah, but I would, I mean, it's a title I really, so I just ended up buying a copy on Amazon. I, cause it was a title I really wanted to read. And as I said, I went into it with sky high expectations and it did not disappoint at all. I, this might be no joke, my favorite book I've read definitely this year, maybe within the last five years. Yeah. At least. I I can see that. Yeah, I really, really, really did love this book. Did you buy it on Kindle or physical copy? Physical copy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but it and yeah, it's I mean Taylor uh Taylor Jenkins Reed is now like a must read author for me. I'm going to, you know, I got a list of books to read for future episodes, but I definitely want to get to Daisy Jones and the six. I want to get to her newest one, Malibu rising, which features one of the husbands from the book is in Malibu rising. And I believe Evelyn Hugo gets a mention in it too, but yeah, she. This book was just fantastic, and it's got me. You know how you ever like read something or watch something that you have such a reaction to, like everything you want to do in other media. It rubs off on everything you want to do in other mediums for a while. Like you go on a. You go on like a kick of something like this is a perfect example. Um, I'm pulling it up at, at the end here where there's like a uh, book club discussion questions. And at the end, there's an yeah. enhanced enhance your book club option. And one of the things you can do it is suggest with your book club is to have like a classic Hollywood movie night. Like with a, it says like uh, in the book, Evelyn Hugo starting her first movie in 1956. So it suggests a couple of classic Hollywood movies from that year with uh, actresses who are very, who are clearly inspirations for Evelyn Hugo. Um, there's like, like, if you can see on this cover, she has, like, a... It doesn't show her whole face, but it looks like she has a Grace Kelly vibe. Yes. So, I watched uh, Rear, Rear Window the other night. Um, 
uh, the movie it mentions here from 1956 is High Society, which is on HBO Max. There's a Marilyn Monroe and Bus Stop, but I looked it up. Uh, Evelyn Hugo is apparently like a... The inspiration for her is a combination of Elizabeth Taylor, who had been married several times. Right. And also, the structure of the book is, I read, based on Ava Gardner, who... Is married to Frank Sinatra? Or, no. um, Well, that's not... Maybe she was, but <laughs> no, she had, she got a reporter to write her auto, her, to write her biography for her. And it was done in like the same sense that Evelyn gets Monique to write mm-hmm. her story. Right. And so I went up and looked up the Ava Gardner book and I want to read that. And. Uh, it, it it got me on a kick for what they called the golden age of Hollywood, like wanting to watch movies from that era, mm-hmm. um, from you know the mid to late nineteen fifties, and so. But to get into the story, Evelyn Hugo starts off the first husband. I'm not I'm not even quite sure how to go through this actually like should I go through with the husbands or <laughs> I don't know what what are your recollections from having read it Uh so I think we said last episode I read it in February I think and I I mean, and I didn't have a chance to go through it again because it was a book I borrowed um, from someone and I don't have that copy anymore. But um, the story, it it is told through the husband's kind of. I mean, it's her life story, but as she goes through life, she gets more husbands. Um, So, I mean, we could focus on that, but... um, it's just it folds or unfolds so so nicely i feel like in the book it's just such a great flow yeah well the way it starts off her first husband is and each husband is is broken down into different sections and um give me a minute i'm trying to I'm looking for each part. Okay. Uh, the first, her first husband is a guy named uh, Ernie Diaz. Um, and the sections are titled, like this one is titled "Poor, Poor Ernie Diaz." Right. <laughs> I believe he is um someone who was living in her apartment complex who worked as a stagehand in Hollywood and got her to Hollywood. Right. He started off as like the, the breadwinner for both of them and the connection. 
Yeah, but you know, once um she was able to get her get her way into Hollywood, uh she you know I I don't I didn't get the sense that she ever really loved him. You know, she as it says, she was very ambitious and everything she did was to make a star of herself and you know <laughs> yeah but, she's i mean at first i you get the feeling that she's almost unlikable at first uh at least in my opinion uh, but that was her you know, fighting her way to make a name for herself and not necessarily literally at first. I think she just wanted to prove herself um, in general, not not just to society. And then it kind of took off from there. Yeah. But that aspect of her character, she could be seen as unlikable and it'd be very easy for her to be viewed that way. However, I personally didn't find her unlikable. You know, especially as the story was going along. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. As her career progressed and, you know, where she was at her, in her life at each point with each husband. Right. So then... That's a little interesting because I I kind of viewed her as unlikable. Even though I liked her, I felt like you could pull some of the narcissism or selfishness out um, yeah. with each husband. But but I didn't not like her. I just kind of felt like she was maybe a typical Hollywood character. Yeah, and especially like considering stories you hear about real Hollywood at that time. Yeah, like so, I could see the vanity in a lot of things she would do, but that's also part of the game, I guess. Yeah, I'm trying to think of it. There were two famous actresses who had like real, like a real beef with each other back then. So the people I think of, and I don't know if this is who you're thinking of, but um, when I read the book, of course, you think of uh, Elizabeth Taylor because of the amount of husbands. But there was Joan Crawford, there was Betty Davis, um, and they were viewed as kind of bitches because they had to be that way, I, I feel like, or at least that's kind of what's been retold. You have to kind of assert that personality which can come across as threatening to some people yeah Um, and that's who i thought of yeah i hear i hear ava gardner was the same way which um i know i have this book i uh as an unsolved mysteries fan i have robert stack's autobiography and he was he came from old hollywood but I don't think he names her in the book, but it's speculated that Ava Gardner is the only other actor or actress in Hollywood he had a problem with because I don't know. I don't know if this is truly accurate. I'll have to read the book, Mm 
but he was nominated for an Oscar around this time that the book starts in like 1956, 1957. And he was projected by a lot of people to win, but what, what was going on in Hollywood at the time with the politics of it and with, you know, the, and it's mentioned in the book after her first, uh, after her divorce from the next husband, I am going to get into, but they would essentially blackball celebrities or blackball actors and actresses or screw people over for like such a slight or, you know, if, if another, if a big named actor or actress felt you did them wrong, they could go to the studio heads and get be vindictive and get them to blackball you essentially from future projects. And I, there's a story that that's what happened with Robert Stack because of Ava Gardner, where he supposedly turned down her advances. Like she was essentially coming on to him one night and he turned her down. So I'm not sure how accurate the story is. I have to read. I keep meaning to read his book, um, especially now after reading a book like this and learning about old Hollywood. But it's believed because of that, he was, he didn't win the Oscar because Ava Gardner went to some studio or some Hollywood bigwigs and said, you know, this guy screwed me over. This guy did me wrong and he should be punished. Yeah. And that, I mean, that story, even though it's kind of what you, you know, can recall, there's so much Hollywood legend and lore that, you know, that may very well be true. And if that story doesn't happen to be true it's happened before just to other people and stuff like that comes out in this book too similar things this vindictive yeah i have i i have like a ratty old paperback that i'm going to get to read it but (laughs) but on that same in that same vein the next husband is goddamn don adler which right (laughs) don adler is another thing that the way she gets connected to him is another thing of old Hollywood where like Hollywood moguls would set up like hot young stars together to date each other. And Don Adler was a guy who came from, you know, a famous family of actors and he was, you know, the hot, he was a hot young gun at the time or, and Evelyn Hugo was going to be an up and comer. And so they were, it's the classic thing that happened where they get thrown together to date and be seen out in public to each get the, to each get their star to rise Right. 
but it turns out they actually have feelings for each other. And then after the, it's after they get married that Don turns out to be an abuser and, you know, there's a, I think they each do a separate movie where her movie does better than his and he resents her for it and he takes it out on her mm-hmm. in a abusive way. And what also happens around this time is Evelyn lands a part in the a version of Little Women that never happened. <laughs> but right. she lands a part in as uh, Joe in Little Women. And she's introduced to a new co-star named Celia St. James. And the way it starts off is Celia St. James is like a year or two younger than Evelyn. But this is where it gets into there's going to be competition between the two of them. And initially, Evelyn isn't big on her. So they they feel there's going to be an issue, but Celia comes off as kind of naive, and it annoys Evelyn that she doesn't understand like what's going. But but it turns out they make a connection, and this turns into the forbidden love that gets mentioned in this synopsis. And it carries throughout the whole book, through all different husbands. And eventually, so eventually when she's going to divorce Don, this is where the blackballing happens, where he tries to screw her over and she... There's a period of about two or three years where she has trouble finding work. But she eventually ends up making her come back. And, you know, um, I want to try to get into the way her and Celia's relationship arcs over the book. It's a time in Hollywood where obviously they can't come out because of yeah the time <laughs> yeah the times like very few actual famous people get name dropped in this book but one of them is Rock Hudson and it's mentioned how some in Hollywood turned their back on him when it was revealed that he was gay and he had AIDS um, but just a sign of the times because it, you know that's just like <laughs> so crazy that you I don't know it, to me to think back at you know how people were treated but you know it happened yeah and it's something over the course of the book Celia resents Evelyn for because Evelyn is bisexual and Celia uh, apparently only re- 
is only attracted to women, but they have, they each have cover marriages. Um, like example, uh, Evelyn's next husband after Don and when she's into a relationship with Celia, there starts to be rumors going around Hollywood. And one of the things this book does is some of the chapters end with a tabloid story. Yeah. And there starts to be some stories that there's um, suspicion on Evelyn's and Celia's relationship. So Evelyn is worried about that for how they are perceived in public for how it could affect their career. So what she does is she, the next husband is Mick Rivas, who is the one who is in Malibu rising. And the whole plan with him is just to go to Vegas with him and marry him, have a drunken marriage with him for one night and then immediately get annulled. But that is done for the publicity. So there can be like an, so that the public will see it and say, Oh, Evelyn is still attracted to men. But a thing that happens is they end up sleeping together and Celia takes issue with that. And with how Evelyn wants to handle, you know, how the public perceives their relationship. But, you know, and her longest marriage ends up being, uh, I know the guy's name is Harry. I'm blanking on the last name, but, uh, it's Harry. Oh. I don't know. People who read the book know who I'm talking about, but. <laughs> I know who you're talking about, too. <laughs> yeah. But it turns out he's Evelyn's best friend from when she gets to Hollywood. And he's a produ- he's a producer. It turns out he's gay as well. And Cameron. the man Celia marries at that same time is a quarterback for the New York Giants, um, which this guy's name I thought was an actual – it's a name I thought I had heard before. is named John Braverman. I'm like, was that a real quarterback for the Giants, New York Giants? Um, it wasn't, but I thought it was. But it turns out him and Harry are the ones in the relationship while Evelyn and Celia had their relationship. And they, they're they covering it by Celia being married to John Braverman and Evelyn being married to Harry. It, it's Harry Cameron. Harry Cameron, yes. So, And that's such a classic like Hollywood storyline, too, that... I I just think it makes the book, you know, so much more interesting. Each husband definitely has a um, 
not a like a Hollywood cliche, but you can think of certain actors, whether the rumors about them are true or not. It just it gives you all this old Hollywood feel, the the entire book. Yeah, and you can also see how there are serious themes in this book that you know there there's some truth to it. I mean, if things still go on today, it definitely happened in the 50s and it was even more swept under the rug. More taboo. Too. Right. Yeah. But yeah, but this is uh I don't know how much more else to say other than to like go through the rest of the book. And this is going to be a spoiler, but I feel a lot of people have been have read this book or you know, there are other podcasts that discuss this book that spoilerless, so I feel it's no big deal if we do. But <clears throat> so Harry, Harry ends up being dying in a car accident and he had been drinking and the man who was in the car with him was a man he was having a relationship with and the book does this thing where it this is an interesting aspect where Evelyn's mind, she's in a car uh, behind her. She's in a car with a driver, and they come upon the car accident. And what her mind goes to is she, since Harry was in the car with a lover. her mind goes to that she needs to protect him that he wasn't uh he wasn't driving drunk and so they set it up to where the passenger had been driving drunk the passenger who was also killed and the story that gets in the tabloid is uh Harry died of unknown causes or something that wasn't the accident. But the man who was in the car with Harry is named James Grant, who worked as a Hollywood set hand at the time. This is the late 80s. And it's revealed earlier in the book that Monique... Monique Grant, her father worked in Hollywood. And one of the things Monique did when she found out Evelyn wanted to talk to her and her specifically was she called her mom and it was revealed that she knew her dad had worked in Hollywood on Hollywood sets. And she called her mom's like, hey, did dad ever work on a movie set with Evelyn Hugo, you know, trying to figure out why Evelyn Hugo wants to talk to her specifically. 
it turns out her father was the other man in the car, and that's why Evelyn wanted to talk to her. And because Monique has grown up her whole life thinking that her father got himself killed driving drunk when that wasn't the case. And so... It's a thing where Evelyn wants to try to make it right. And there's also a letter because there was a plan for Evelyn wanted Harry to move to another country with him. And Harry was having a relationship with this, with James and James had written Harry a letter saying that I I can't go. I can't leave my family. I can't leave my daughter. And Evelyn held on to the letter and wanted to give it to Monique to clear the air about, like, your father truly... Your father had a chance at a better life in another country with a man he loved, he was in love with, but he loved you too much to want to leave. And this is one of the few books where it's rare I get emotional reading a book, but this is one of the few books that did it for me because also by this point in her life, You know, Evelyn had a daughter with Harry, and, you know, Harry dies in the car accident. Celia, there's periods of their lives where they don't talk to each other because of resentment over worried about the public's view of their relationship, you know, each having their own resentment towards the other one. And, but they reconnect and then Celia gets ill and she dies. And, um, Evelyn's daughter, who they named Connor in the book, she, I believe, gets breast cancer and dies. Mm -hmm. And so it's a thing. Evelyn is 79 when she's talking to Monique and, It's one of the things she has nothing to live for. Everyone she loves has passed. And she also, when she specifically asked for Monique, not only because of the connection with her father, but because she had read an article Monique had written about, Monique had written an article for her magazine about like a patient's right to die. And Evelyn thought it was, you know, wonderful. And Evelyn also wants to, she decided that it's after she tells her story. And one of the guidelines she has is that you can't publish this until after I'm gone. And one of her got—that's one of her guidelines for 
doing the book. And at the end, it says, like, after this is over, I want to, Evelyn wants to die because I believe she's ill as well. And, but she just says, you know, everyone I love is gone now. And I, you know, so there is, that also comes back because Monique, she's angry with Evelyn by this point over her, over her involvement with her father's death. But also, like, she does, even though she wrote that article about a patient's right to die, she does have that conflict, like, wait, should I try to stop her? But in the end, she doesn't, and, you know, the book ends with one of those tabloid stories that Evelyn Hugo dying of an accidental overdose I believe they said, but, you know, it's one of those books where by the end, like, you're just, you feel like your heart's been ripped out. Yeah. You know? I and, felt the same. And, uh, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those books that, like, I finished reading it maybe almost a week ago and it's still with me Mm -hmm. and so I mean again I just I loved it yeah I'm excited to read Malibu Rising and Daisy Jones and the Six and I have both of those books and I haven't read them yet so maybe we'll buddy read that could be something yeah Uh, I feel the same about this book. I feel like it was such a great story. And there's a lot of truth in it, I'm sure, that's pulled from Hollywood. Um, I, Like I said, though, I came in kind of a little more cynical about Evelyn. Like, I liked her, but I felt she was kind of selfish and... A lot of things were have to be on her terms. But then you think the setting, you know, when she was a Hollywood actress, she had to fight her way to get anywhere um, because, you know, uh, men were, you know, they, they were the, the, the heads, you know, the, the top dogs and you had to fight for any type of respect. So. Um, yeah. And there's a, uh, that's a theme in this book too, about um, way women are treated in Hollywood compared to men. And there is a there is something that Evelyn tells Monique that when you get your publishing deal for this book, I want the Evelyn tells Monique I want them. I want you to have them pay you what they would pay a white man to do this. And it's a, it, it's another, you know, prevalent theme throughout the book of what women in Hollywood 
deal with compared to men and compared to other professions too. You know, so. Yeah. But it was a great book. You know, I, I'm glad I went ahead and made the purchase so I could read before instead of having to wait for my hold to come through. But, yeah. you know. I think I'd like to buy a copy of that myself because I, I'd like to reread it, too in time and uh yeah it was a five-star read for me and i know for you as well for me yeah definitely but it wasn't for everyone (laughs) 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 i will tell you who (laughs) who is this bastard (laughs) from this individual is april d1 Fight me, April. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Reviewed in the United States on January 25th, 2021. One star. Do not waste your money. Do not buy. (laughs) This is propaganda at best. The media spews propaganda in the daily. Maybe they meant on the daily. I don't care for my leisure time of reading to have assaults on the quote-unquote white male and the Lord's name in vain as printed. I guess she's referring to as goddamn Don Adler. (laughs) Um, Really? That's okay. Yeah. If I could put no stars, I would. What a shame and a disgrace. When you are reading a story you wish to escape, there is no escape from liberal propaganda by the likes of Taylor Jenkins Reid. Do not waste your money. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. I give her credit for not using the term woke, though, in her review, her negative review. I mean... Okay. Yeah, no. She's entitled to her opinion. (laughs) I mean, she was close with liberal propaganda. Right. Oh. Right. True. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you just wrong book for yourself. Oh, I don't even know what I'd recommend. It's funny because. Like we were just saying in the review, like when you read that book, you can think of countless people this story reminds you of. So I'm not really sure where some kind of propaganda comes from when you can recall things that you have heard in the past. Like, you know, I don't know if she's checking the check marks of, you know, feminism, women empowerment, you know, same thing. Um, You know, different storylines and themes of, gay people and you know men that are abusive you rose against i mean if that's liberal propaganda then okay well i mean not sure i follow again this is the character of evelyn hugo is based on 
a combination of actual like different actresses like as i said i the two that i saw listed were elizabeth taylor and ava gardner and there's also you know i know i said grace kelly based on the cover her look on the cover but yeah i mean it's based on old hollywood stories and right some issues that are still that you know the stories with monique in present day talking with them i mean there are still issues that are prevalent today mm-hmm. and uh i don't know but yeah i mean this book isn't for I mean, that review said they wanted a read that was an escape, so maybe it was a little too close to reality in that sense. Right. So maybe I can see where they're coming from, but, you know, some of their, you know, term usage, i.e. liberal propaganda. Eh. (laughs) Yikes. (laughs) <laughs> I think this is the longest we've discussed any single one book. book. Yeah. I I did say last week this was going to be a long one, so uh listeners, I hope you're strapped in. <laughs> Mine won't be as long because you didn't read it and you know, it I read I think on the kin I got a I got it through Libby, mm-hmm. uh, the Kindle, the ebook edition. I think I got to like 20%. Okay. So. I, well, we'll get into it. Uh, <laughs> do you, do you want me to, to delve in? Is there anything more we have to say on Evelyn? I don't think because no, I, again, I really loved, loved, loved this book. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I agree. Definitely lived up to the hype for me. Yeah, me too. And I look forward to reading her other books and maybe we can, uh, you know, do more episodes featuring her stuff and we'll just plan on reading them together. That'd be great. So, um, for my book, this is a book I read last year around this time, and um, I just kind of revisited it a little bit, and I really want to read it again, maybe make it like a traditional thing I read around this time of year or every other year. But the book I'm going to review is The Afterlife of Holly Chase, and it's by Cynthia Hand. Um It is under the young adult contemporary section, and it came out a couple of years ago. The synopsis is, Before I Fall meets Bah Humbug in this contemporary young adult reimagining of A Christmas Carol from New York Times bestselling author Cynthia Hand. 
On Christmas Eve five years ago, 17-year-old Holly Chase was visited by three ghosts who showed her how selfish and spoiled she'd become. They tried to convince her to mend her ways. She didn't, and then she died. Now she's stuck working for a top-secret company, um, sorry, uh, Project Scrooge, as their latest ghost of Christmas past. So far, Holly's afterlife has been miserable. But this year's Scrooge is different. This year's Scrooge might change everything. The Afterlife of Holly Chase is a witty, poignant, and insightful novel about life, love, and seizing second or third chances. Perfect for readers who loved Before I Fall or Dash and Lily's Book of Dares. So... I don't even know how this book came on my radar. I think it was through Bookstagram. And this was the first book I ever put a review on, on my Instagram. And uh, I got it from the library. It, it really took me by surprise, even though it's a young adult book. Um, we follow Holly, who is a teenager who is dead and she's kind of in this weird afterlife where she's kind of a ghost, but she's also not. And um, she's part of project Scrooge where she didn't listen to the ghosts before she died. So now she is here to help other people in her shoes uh, kind of see the error of their ways and try and change them. And if not, then they die, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. Um, but she she's very unlikable in the beginning. And I liked her right off the bat. I, it's kind of similar to Evelyn Hugo for me in that you can kind of see some selfishness and uh, spoiled behavior, but there's something about them and it might be humor, um, or charm, but there's something to me likable, but, um, you know, she's stuck kind of helping people that were similar to her because she didn't heed the warning. And they do this year after year. And then she finally meets a guy named Ethan and he's a similar age to her and she's immediately drawn to him. And it, it kind of is a love story, but not in a very sugary kind of sickening way to me because my, my romance books should be kind of quirky and not overtly romantic. Uh, and it, I just, I loved it. Um, start to finish. So she meets, Ethan and she's trying to convince him of his ways and we kind of get to to know him we get to learn his backstory and kind of why he is the way he is but he's not as superficial or almost one-dimensional as our main character is there's more to him and even though he's similar to her um, he's much more likable in my opinion so it's just it, you know it's going through the holiday season trying to um, get Ethan to realize that he's kind of going down a bad path all the while she's getting to know him 
And she kind of oversteps her boundaries with trying to save him from becoming what she became. Um, but it, you know, I think it was just a, a very good story. It pulled classical uh, Christmas Carol meets modern day romance kind of coming of age uh, life lessons into it. And I, I think I went back and I reread the last few chapters because I honestly couldn't remember how it ended because I read it, like I said, about a year ago. And it ended not like how I would expect. So my typical story when I read something that I perceive or is known to be a romance is I kind of know how it's going to end from reading the back of the cover. Um, but this was different and it was surprising. And to me, I, I just felt like it was the perfect blend of, of all those things I had just mentioned. You know, you get the holiday aspect, some nostalgia, maybe from being a kid and knowing a Christmas carol, plus some coming of age and a little bit of romance to it. So um, for me, I absolutely loved this book. It surprised me. I can still picture myself last year reading it in my basement um, on the couch and just being blown away by this book. And I plan on buying it because I just feel like if it if it affected me that much, much like Evelyn Hugo, I should buy a copy and support the author. And I would recommend this book to adults, young adults, um, a, a lot of people. Um, and I give it five stars too, along with your book for the week. Well, what I did read, there was something kind of interesting. She's dead, but she still exists in the real world. Yeah, she's kind of zombie-like or something. Yeah. <laughs> she... Yeah, she has an apartment and she has an assistant right who um is a college student or like she gets a new this bubbly assistant right but I'm like is that person dead too or is it was she... a little bit confusing and um yeah you kind of had to go with it a little bit, you know, and I'm sure if I reread it, it may make sense one way or another, but I do recall reading it and thinking like, what's going on here? People can see her, but she's dead. Every day resets. The pimple she has is still on her face every day because when she died, she had it. Um, but it's it's kind of that in between. She's she's in some kind of afterlife, but she's still kind of half there, or some part of her is. Yeah, but the, yeah, there is a thing like in the part of it, like she every day at the time she died, which was nine a.m. It's like her body recess. It's a thing of she doesn't come into work until. Like work at the Scrooge. What is it called? The Scrooge, the Project, Project Scrooge. Scrooge. 
Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't come into work at Project Scrooge until 11 a.m. when everyone else is there, like, at 9. And it's like her reasoning for that is because she doesn't want to deal with the discomfort. She doesn't want to be at work to deal with the discomfort of everything resetting at right at 9 a.m. So that's something that I saw get mentioned. Yeah, the book is like right off the bat. They're like, she died, and <laughs> it just, I mean, it's, it's definitely it's definitely uh, interesting and original concept. Mm-hmm. But I mean, just I mean to be nitpicky about it, like that just that thing. That's what stuck out to me is wait, she's dead, but she's not really or she, right. I did. She said like. She did have a line I saw where she's like, I'm basically a zombie. Right. But so that's kind of and there's a thing of uh how her father has been since she died. And I'm like, Well, I mean, if you're still exists in the real world, why don't you just go see him? Like he can't see her or or Or, maybe he can, but she just doesn't do that because she that would be too weird Uh, that i mean that is one part of the story where i'm kind of scratching my head i mean i'll definitely finish the book it's a i was enjoying it enough but that's just one aspect where i'm kind of like maybe Mm -hmm. thinking a little too much about it or it's leaving me scratching my head like right like well i mean I don't know if maybe, like, it would be too difficult for her to see him, like, travel to see him all within a day before it resets. And then, like, if she's aware she's dead, even though other people can see her, if she knows that she's dead and her dad knows she's dead, would that be upsetting to him? So she just doesn't see him. I don't know. Is, I mean, I is it a plot <laughs> hole? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you just gotta gotta go with it. Yeah. But I see your points. No. But, yeah, so, uh, yeah I, I I really enjoyed it, and I'd love to read it again. And I don't think I'll get to it this Christmas season, just because I have my books kind of lined up for the rest of the year. I I feel like. Um, unless I go through one pretty quickly, but I, it, it surprised me kind of out of nowhere. I was so thrilled my library had it and, um, it, to me, it's uh, up until the end, I didn't really see where it was going and it made me laugh out loud at some parts, which are kind of hard to do. It's easier said than done to really laugh at, uh, parts in a book sometimes, so. Again, I uh, I give it five stars. Right. However, however, (laughs) 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 yeah, Uh, a couple people on Goodreads didn't feel the same. Um, Two right in a row, and they're the shortest reviews ever, but they were right there. So, um, 
The first one is by Manda. This was a one-star review, and it was from a year ago. And it was a DNF for her. Only three pages in, and there are like so many unnecessary likes that I like could feel my brain cells like dying. (laughs) (laughs) Got four likes and one comment. And then Marcus right below, that was 10 months ago, one star. Really? Why does this exist? It has, it has no merit to. <laughs> Shouldn't even what exist. exist? <laughs> it has no merit to exist. This book should just be deleted from the universe. And I get it. Okay, the likes. And, and I'm part of the generation where I say like a lot more than I would like to. And I probably say it less than I did when I was a teenager, but that's part of the main character, I feel like. Um, She's going to say like, she's going to be self-centered. She's going to be shallow. That's what I was going to say. It's part of her. It's not the author saying like all the time. It's the character. Exactly. So... So, like, I don't agree, but. (laughs) Mom. But overall, it's a double five-star week for us. Yeah. And and this is something I noticed. Um, Both our titles are, we, they're similar to, it's the something of a woman's name. Yeah. That's interesting. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and The Afterlife of Holly Chase. Right. Oh. And my pick next week will be another one of those type of titles. (laughs) I feel the pressure to find a book. (laughs) Do you have your pick for next week yet? I am going to pull something up. We'll go ahead, though. All right. My... The... X of woman's name. Next week will be the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes, which is a a recent purchase this last weekend at Barnes and Noble. Is that a new drop? Is that did that just come out? It came out twenty twenty. I saw okay. the original published date, but it is the unraveling of Cassidy Holmes by. Elisa R. Sloan. And I will say, up if you're going to read along with this, it is included in the author's note up top, but there is a trigger warning for this book. Uh, it, the concept, uh, the premise of the book is based on a suicide. So it's a, mm-hmm. uh, there's suicide, there's sexual assault, trigger warnings, there's body dysmorphia. But uh, the premise is, it's, uh, I'm not going to read the whole synopsis, but it's a a member, Cassidy Holmes is a member of an old uh, girl group who uh, broke up like close to 20 years ago and then in modern 
times it's in the news that she takes her own life. Mm. So the book is going through her point of view between modern times and back then between her point of view and the points of view of other girls in the group. So. Awesome. But yeah, that's going to be I can't wait to hear that because I've, I've definitely seen that book around and uh, I'm looking forward to hearing your review. Are you reading it now? Yeah, I started it earlier today. Okay. Awesome. But it's a, Again, The Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes by Elissa R. Sloan. Great. And uh, my book's going to be the book that I'm currently making my way through on Kindle. It's called Deadly Little Lies, and it's by Stephanie DeCarolis. Um, this book actually comes out on November 26th, so it will be out by the time our episode goes up. I, I believe it's self-published, but... Um, I read this author's debut book, The Guilty Husband, and I actually found her on Instagram. And I think if it wasn't for my bookstagram account, I probably wouldn't have read the first book. Um, but I really liked that book. And I was able to get a um, an arc of her latest Deadly Little Lies. And um, I just kind of started reading that earlier this week. So I definitely look forward to finishing that and reviewing that you know definitely be interested to hear about it and i look forward to what i feel is another great episode next week so yes uh this was a great one tonight and yeah thanks for talking seven husbands of ellen hugo with me in afterlife of holly chase yeah and both books, fun. both books come recommended. I feel, I feel with Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, like most people have, if you haven't read it already, it's probably on your list to read. Right. But it's, yeah, I, again, absolutely loved it. And it lived up to the hype for me. And so, me yeah, too. I'm excited to read more from her yeah as, he as well. again as, as lauren said do buddy reads with it i think that would be good i i really like the discussion that we have when we've read books but i also appreciate when we haven't because it's fun learning about new books that yeah i mean the this has gone over like well over an hour now but i mean the Checking the time on when we finished the Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo discussion, that could have been its own episode. So, right. But I mean, there could be future books where we just do one book and it sustains like nearly an hour long conversation. Right. And yeah, it's whatever those may be, I look forward to them in the future. Me so. too. Yeah, you're fun to talk books with, Lauren. So Thanks, Joe. So are you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, thank you, everyone, for listening to us this week. And we will be back next week with two more great reads. So, yeah. Talk to you then. <laughs> Bye. Bye.